Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you whispered in the ear and the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after killing the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. Thank you, Sue. Um, I can't always hear real well sitting back here. Did she tell you that she and Paul are going to Ukraine at the end of the month? Okay. Sure to be praying for them and, and their mission. Well, let's pray. Father, we ask that you help us now transition to uh, looking into your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, for you to renew our minds through it, to encourage and build up our faith. May you be honored in what we talk about. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I want to start out talking about the country of Nigeria. Nigeria is located in the northwestern coast of Africa. And the country, some of you may know, is divided by the Muslim-dominated north and Christian-dominated South. And they've basically been in a civil war for years, decades. And right in the middle, you know, right on the line, kind of, there's a city named Jos, J-O-S. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but in this city, in 2017, as part of the ongoing violence against Christians, it's estimated that 7,000 believers were killed by Muslims, just in that city alone. Believers have been killed in random, spontaneous riots, as well as being systematically attacked by two extremist groups, Boko Haram and Muslim Felina herdsmen. When I googled this, you see pictures of mass graves. Now this type of persecution has been occurring on and off for over 10 years. 
Violence and death is always a possibility for those who follow Jesus, especially in the central part of the country. Nigeria is one of the top-ranked countries for Christians being persecuted on the globe. Now, can you imagine Jesus coming into the city of Josh and in the midst of this situation and saying to the people there, people who have seen their relatives killed or maimed, don't fear those who can kill your body. No, these are not the ones you ought to fear. There's someone else that you need to fear. That'd be pretty radical, controversial. Even in our own country, since 2011, we have spent billions of dollars for national security, trying to make sure that we are safe from those who want to harm us. Billions of dollars have been spent to make sure that other people cannot kill our bodies. And yet, Jesus says to us as he says to his disciples, you know, in the end, your enemies are not the people that you need to be afraid of. These are not the people you are to fear. Don't fear those who can kill your body. But rather, he says, fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples about this, anticipating that they are going to be persecuted. And many of them, the apostles, the early disciples, they are killed for their faith. This is real. And yet, there's this warning, another warning that Jesus gives us in Luke chapter 12, where he teaches us, he gives different warnings throughout the chapter. And I kind of look at those warnings as like a pearls put on a string. Last week we looked at the warning about hypocrisy. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now he warns them about who they should really fear in life. All of us know what it's like to be afraid. And our ultimate fear may be the fear of death itself and the process of dying. But in this warning, Jesus gives us some perspective on fear and where we really need to put our fear. So if we're going to be afraid, the warning Jesus gives is who and what to be afraid of. His counsel to us about fear is connected with the previous warning regarding hypocrisy. We talked last week about hypocrisy being rooted in idolatry, having a secret idol that we don't want others to see. And within that is the fear of what other people think of us. A source of hypocrisy is fear of other people. If you fear the opinions and the thoughts of other people more than what God thinks of you, your religion becomes hypocritical. So there's a spiritual connection between these two warnings. 
He begins with, do not allow the hypocrisy that characterizes the Pharisees to corrupt you. And then he continues, don't fear those who can kill you. Don't be afraid of those who can persecute you or will even kill your body. And the people that read this, those early Christians who had Luke's gospel in their hands and were reading this, they understood immediately what this warning meant because their lives were under threat. They were being persecuted and some were being killed. You see, the entire mission of Jesus and the future of the church depends upon their ability to overcome their fears. And the same is true of us, even today, in sharing Jesus. Fear brings bondage. It brings depression. When a spirit of fear takes root in your life, you become a slave to that fear. It becomes your master. Romans 8.15 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership. In other words, our faith in Jesus is intended to free us from fear. But here's the ironic thing. Jesus tells us very emphatically here, we are to fear God, which will then free us up from every other fear in life. Jesus elaborates in verse 5, I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear Him. Fear God. Fear God, first of all, because He's in charge of everything and He's in charge of everyone, including your soul. It's God who controls our final destiny. Now, what's assumed here in this conversation is that life is more than the physical. Life is more than the material. Life is more than our bodies. Secular humanism tells us that the only thing that there is, is the material. But the implication here is, is you and I have a soul and a spirit, and that soul and spirit lives forever. And the ultimate destiny of our soul is in the hands of God. He determines the eternal destiny of the soul. In our culture, those who do believe there's an afterlife just assumes that everybody goes to heaven when they die. It seems to be kind of a, an entitlement that we have. Maybe it's because we're Americans or something, I don't know. But that is certainly not what the Bible teaches. That's not the assumption of the Bible. And it's why Jesus tells us to fear God. See, in the Old Testament, the fear of God is the way it is described that one's faith is described. It's the essence of one's faith. The book of Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
The fear of God is the formative idea in the Old Testament that captures the very heart of the human being's relationship with his creator. Deuteronomy 10:12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. We don't fear God like somebody fears an unpredictable, erratic bully or abuser. The fear of God is to give reverence to Him more than anything or anyone else. To care more about what He thinks than what anyone else thinks. To fear God is to love Him more than anything else. To value Him, to honor Him, to treasure Him above everything else in life including your life, your physical life. That's what it means to fear God. Isaiah 8.13, our call to worship, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. How do we get this fear? Where does it come from? Well, friends, I think it begins by fearing our sin, by acknowledging our heart of rebellion, our hypocrisy, our idolatry, and to take responsibility for it. Jesus says here to fear the fact that we can be cast into hell, which means that we need to see our sin for what it really is and what it really deserves. There are many, claim, many claims today that nobody goes to hell or there really isn't a hell and they explain it away. But the clear witness of the Bible and particularly of Jesus is the re reality of eternal separation from our Creator. When we recognize our sin for what it is, that's when we'll begin to fear the Lord. But Jesus doesn't stop there. The fear of God, he says, also results in comfort and assurance. How can that be? When we fear God, when we put him above everything else in life, Jesus says there's a promise. There is a promise that we can count on. He goes on to say, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet, not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So first he says, fear God, and then after this he says, don't be afraid. See, there's two things about God in what Jesus says in this passage that make him worthy of our trust and give us confidence. One is we can fear him and trust him because he's sovereign. Sovereign, but it's a big word, but look at the word reign at the end. 
God rules. God has absolute and final authority over our personal destinies and over the history of the world. This not only causes us to fear Him, but to find comfort in Him. Because directly and indirectly, He has the final authority over everything in the universe. And friends, that gives us, that gives us comfort. God gives us freedom. We are free creatures. There can't be love without freedom. And God lets us make our choices, but we do not get to choose the consequences of our choices. We try, but we can't. This, his sovereignty becomes reassuring because both our personal problems and the problems of our world are still under his control. He's big enough and powerful enough to even bring good out of evil and loss. We know the promise, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. God purposes will be fulfilled in and through those who fear him and love him even when bad things happen. The other reason God is worthy of our trust and confidence and comfort is he knows all things. Jesus says the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Did you know that there are three types of human hair? There's what's called terminal hair. That's what we normally think of when we talk about hair. It's what grows on our heads, grows on our faces, other parts of our bodies. And then there's this vellus hair. We commonly call it peach fuzz. Uh, it's what covers our whole body, helps regulate temperature. And then, I didn't know this, there's lanugo hair. It's a special downy, downy hair that completely covers the baby in the womb. It's like a fur. Keeps the baby warm. But it, it's replaced by vellus hair before it's born. I've read that it's been computed that a blonde person has about 145,000 hairs. A dark-haired person has 120,000. And those with red hair have 90,000. Now, I don't know how many redheads we have, but you should have your, uh, your friends count your hair and see if that's true. But whatever the type, whatever the count, Jesus says God knows every one. This is another way of saying he knows every fault and every sin in our lives. He knows every feeling, every insecurity and trouble. He knows our futures. He knows every challenge we face, every temptation, every need, every loss. He knows every fear that we have, every emotional struggle. Psalm 31, 7 says, I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction, and you know the anguish of my soul. 
Jesus combines this in verse 7. He says, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Not only is God sovereign and in control, and not only does He know everything, but it, here He's saying you have eternal worth. You are eternal of eternal worth to your Creator. It's because He made us and because He loves us. Friends, you are not some cosmic accident. You are not a blob of molecules. We base our conviction of the preciousness of human life on being created in the image and likeness of God Himself. And supremely, because of Jesus Christ, God cares so much about people that He became flesh and blood and took upon Himself our humanity. He lives for us. He teaches us the way. He carries our sorrows. He takes upon himself the crushing weight of our guilt and dies himself for us so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Never doubt your worth. Never doubt your value to the Almighty. If God cares about sparrows that you can buy for a half a penny, how much more does He care about the crown of His creation? Men and women made in His image, men and women redeemed from sin and Satan who are His daughters and His sons. Jesus says, if my heavenly Father takes care of little birds and chipmunks, how much more will He take care of you? All of this together, sovereignty of God, the knowledge of God, our worth to God, it assures us we can depend upon Him. Great is His faithfulness. But again, I come back to how interesting it is that Jesus begins here telling us to fear God and then concludes in verse 7 with, don't be afraid. Here's the deal. When we wholeheartedly fear God, there is nothing in life, including other people and what they think of you, loss, suffering, persecution, and even death itself that we need to fear. Why? Because the Lord God is in control. Because He knows what we need and He loves us with an everlasting love. Romans 8.32 sums it up. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things. Now obviously that doesn't mean God shields us from every problem, from every accident, every sorrow, and even physical death. Sparrows do have a season of life. They do fall to the ground. Our hearts do get broken. But this word about sparrows means never be afraid that God will forget you or fail to know what you're going through. 
You and I can never drift beyond His care. If He gives us a Savior in Jesus, His only Son, He will take care of what we need, especially the ultimate needs, our eternal needs. You may remember at one point when Jesus was being tried by the Roman governor Pilate, Pontius Pilate, Jesus uh, refused to answer his questions. And Pilate says to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answers, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Here we see Jesus himself consistently living out what he teaches in Luke 12. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you fear him. Friends, what are you afraid of today? What are your greatest fears? When you choose to fear God in faith, you don't need to fear anything else. If He gives us the best, the wonderful gift of His Son, will He ever withhold from you what you really and ultimately need? Friends, you are not only on his mind, you are in his heart. He loves you so much, he gives you his very best. And whatever we run into in this life, whatever we experience, even death itself, we do not need to fear. We can lift up our voice with the hymn, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Would you pray with me? Holy God, would you teach us to fear you? to put you above everything and everyone else in life and show us our great need for you as our Savior, as our Lord, our guide, our sustainer, our hope, our eternal life. And would you then dispel all of our fears when we put our trust in your sovereignty and you're knowing all things, and your presence everywhere, and your deep and wide and long and high love for us in Jesus Christ. Make us fearless people because we have our fear in the right place. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to take our morning offering as we sing our concluding hymn, Day by Day, number 56 in the hymn book.
Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.